everybody. Chris Marshall of the Payne Street Team brought to you by Payne Auto Group Valleywide and PayneAutoGroup.com, where we have what you want, locate to get us regardless. And it's about that time for another edition of Payne Auto Talk. And with us today is Mr. Mark Perrin right here at Payne Auto Group. How are you doing, Mr. Perrin? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. Now, this is um, this is an interesting uh, Payne Auto Talk we're going to have because usually I, I kind of know a little bit about the people that are going on. And guess what? This was you know popped up on both of us. And guess what? It's always good. I, lo- I love a good... Uh, what do you call it? A meeting of the minds. Like a like people ask me about my title, and I have to explain it to them, and it's kind of long and drawn out. But yours is uh, fairly, fairly simple. Yeah, mine. Uh, I, I was never given a job title. Um, I was a buyer, um, purchasing agent, inventory manager. I mean, it's a it's a collection of different jobs. But uh, just tell me what to do, and I'll go do it. Wow, sounds almost like my job. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're you're in the uh, pre-owned inventory, the pre-owned inventory manager. You're the honcho there, and pre-owned is a hot thing going on these days. Yes, it's definitely a life source for the company. Um, it's uh, it's something you got to watch all the time. It uh, changes, unlike uh, new cars. There's constant change on the used car side. Yeah, it must be quite a revolving door. Well, in uh, inventory, yes. Well, let's yeah. let's hope not in uh, personnel. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And um, I've, uh, you know, having new vehicles is great, but I do push pre-owned because it's it's nice, you know, when somebody gets a newer vehicle and they're like, oh, I love the new car smell. You know, my budget is you know only for this option group, but when you get that pre-owned vehicle, let's say with a you know, a loaded out Buick, Buick or like say a Denali or LTZ or a Ford Platinum or King Ranch Edition pre-owned, that still puts a smile on people's face. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Cool. And you're in the acquisition of it and the like the inventory flowing in and out. That's that's your... Yeah, I'm, a, I'm doing both sides. Uh, I'm in charge of uh, organizing all of our inventory, going to the auctions. I'm in charge of... Uh, relocating our own inventory amongst ourselves through a auction process on Monday mornings. We call it the round table where uh, we all get online. Uh, we offer up the old age inventory and other stores have the uh, opportunity to bid on it like they were at an auction and we treat it as such. It's, it's a live auction. It can go up in price. Um, although we do put a floor on it. Um, we've seen some of them uh, just as early as this morning. We started at uh, like $34,000 and it finished around 36750 I believe. So mm-hmm. yeah, the guys are bidding against each other and whoever's on top wins the car. Wow. And that's that's within the group. That's within the group. That's an auction that we do every Monday within the group just on our old age inventory. We probably offered up around 24 cars this morning. We sold probably about half of that, I would say 12, and then 12 that wasn't. And then the 12 that didn't get bid on, those are the ones that we'll send to the auction. And uh, uh, we try to send everything to Big Valley here locally first, give mm-hmm. them first opportunity. And then if it doesn't get sold to Big Valley, then it's up to my discretion to find out a better auction, whether it's uh, Houston, whether it's San Antonio, and so on. Yeah, and I've been to Big Valley uh, auction just uh after hours, you know, or before opening, I'd never been there on an auction day. And uh, we were talking just for a couple of minutes before we started. And you said that, uh, I think it's only two lanes over there. It's four, four, four lanes. And you said some of these bigger houses, like in Dallas and Pennsylvania, they are 
Massive. It, uh, yeah. Dallas runs 40 lanes. Uh, the one in Philadelphia is the largest Mannheim. It's the largest auction, period, uh, in spite of brand. And I think it has 60 lanes. God almighty. Um, That's like Walmart at Christmas. The <laughs> one in Orlando is the second largest. It runs 50 lanes. Uh, we have uh, taken trips out to there. We're not doing that right now and probably won't for the, the foreseen future. But uh, Dallas is the largest, uh, third largest in the country and obviously the largest in the state. And, those, and they're running 40. And those lanes are all running at once? Well, a lot of them now are virtual. Ever oh, since okay. COVID, they're not all live. Yeah. But they're probably running... They run about 5,000 units a month, and I would say they're probably oh, running okay. somewhere around 2,000 of it live and about 3,000 of it's virtual. But they're all physically there at the auction. So you have uh, what is virtual you can go put your hands on before mm. it runs through the lane, before it's run digitally through the lane. They must have quite a mission control over there. It's it's a ma- actually the property over there in Dallas. Uh, even though it's the third largest, it's the second largest. It's it's more property than uh, Orlando. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's literally um, one six or no, excuse me, six tenths of a mile from front to back. So it's over half a mile long. Oh my god! And I don't know how wide. It's probably at least a quarter of a mile wide. It's huge. I don't know how what that equates to acres, but it's a big, big piece of property. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And this is pre-owned vehicles that you know people trade in. Correct. And well, it's all kinds. There's going to be repos. There's lease returns. There's trade-ins. It's old age inventory that's already been reconditioned. Um, there's all kinds of avenues that these vehicles do come through. It's not, it's not relegated to just trade-ins, which is a misnomer from the outside that people do think that the most of these cars are. No, there's, uh, there's even used to be. Uh, it's not as strong as it once was, but it used to be what we call factory cars, um, where factories would actually run some of their uh, uh, lease returns, um, rental agencies, things of that nature. That has dwindled down. So most of it now is repos. Um, there are some lease returns. There's trade-ins. It's old-age inventory um, and so on. And uh, like old-age inventory, is that the, uh, the like the year model of the car? No, old-age is like, uh, like what we run on is what we call a 55-day turn. Okay. So once that unit gets uh, is starting to approach 55 days, we're really starting to, I'd say like at the 40-day mark on our end, on the retail side, we're really trying to uh, price that thing accordingly so it can get out quickly because we don't really want to reach it to the 55 days. But once it does, if it does, then we that's what we call our aged inventory mm-hmm. and once it gets to that first we'll offer it in the group if it doesn't get sold in the group then we'll send it to the auction yeah and i'll tell you what the the value of pre-owned i mean since this microchip fiasco this yes. debacle it has made the market jump a little bit on pre-owned a lot and more than i've ever seen in my lifetime and i've been around used cars literally i sold my first car when i was 13 years old so i've been around used cars for over 40 years. Still got the tweed jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plaid jacket with a oh, fat tie and a oh, cigar hanging out of my mouth. Oh, the stereotype. Yeah, if we're going to go for the stereotype, that's yeah, the stereotype. Yeah. That was my dad. Oh, really? To a T. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Now, um, like we talked about um, the microchip thing, that but people are taking better care of their vehicles. And, and they're built better. Yeah, I would say compared to used cars, uh, when I actually I saw I said I sold my first car when I was 13. So, but when I actually got in the business, I was 18 years old. And compared to vehicles that were built in the 70s and 80s, mm. they weren't good. You know, you couldn't put 150,000 miles on cars back then like you can now. Um, now, 
heck, I've driven uh, my own vehicles as much as 350,000 miles. That was unheard of back then, unless it was a Volvo or, or something like that. Or yeah. Toyota. Yeah. But um, so not only are we taking care of them better, mm-hmm. um, they're built better. Mm-hmm. They're built better both uh, suspension-wise, engine-wise, interior-wise. So they do hold up. They don't rattle loose like they used oh, to. Yeah. The engines hold up better. The air conditioning units hold up better. Everything is definitely holding up better. Uh, heck, uh, some of these companies even have a lot, uh, 100,000 mile warranties on them. That's oh, how yeah. strong they stand by them. You know, diesels were like that forever, but nothing else was. But now a lot of these other companies are. Um, the, yeah, Americans, the Mitsubishi. The Mitsubishi, yeah. I think Kia and Hyundai was another one. So um, that helps us as far as uh, even offering an extended warranty. We can take it even out that much further. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's and that's one thing I tell people like when they're on a budget and they're financing something pre-owned. I go, look, dad. My dad always said it doesn't cost that much more to go first class. So, <laughs> so get that that extended warranty. Yeah. And it's uh, a few years ago when I was married. It was uh, we had a van. We got it through here. It was a two-year-old. Uh, <clears throat> it was a two-year-old uh, town and country, you know, Chrysler, and it was limited. It mm-hmm. means it, it had the screen in there, and the yep. kids could put the headphones on. We call it the babysitter. Oh, that's right. Hey, man, I'll tell you what. The only my only disappointment is this. Now the Pacifica's out. It has a dang vacuum cleaner built into <laughs> yes, it. Yes, it does. For to pick up all the Cheerios and the yep. goldfish. Yep. Yep. I could have used that years ago. Yes, but um, we got that extended warranty, and we had a transmission, just a minor issue, and a little bit of a suspension thing. It that covered it fully. Boom, paid for itself, dude. I'm telling you, and that's why you know pre-owned. It's it's not that stereotype anymore no. of uh, what was it the Muppet movie where the guy's <laughs> smacking on the car and the fender's falling off. Made me think of an old movie called Used Cars with Kurt Russell. Oh, that's oh, there's there's the wardrobe, the uh, station wagon backing out, running mm-hmm. over the boulder instead of the dog. Oh my god! And the I'm, fender literally fell, fell off the off. car. I'm going to have to go see that again. Or the, what was it, the intro to uh, National Lampoon's Vacation? Yes. It's like, where's my car at? And it's getting crushed. Yep. But the with the Griswold family truckster. Oh, God. And uh, that was that was virtually done in the last movie they did. Yeah, it was it was done. It was CGI'd. I went, somebody had to have that car. Let's like, do practical effects. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, um... You said you've been in the business officially since 18, but you must have a love of automobiles going back. You know, I'm not a gearhead, and everyone asks me that mm-hmm. um, my entire life. I'm, heck, you go to a bar, they find out you're in the car business, boom, they want to ask you questions about cars all the mm-hmm. time. I get it all the time. Um, but I know I'm not a gearhead. I've, I've been around cars. If I bought my share of cars, yes. Um and I'm probably kind of different too, where you know most pe- these people, uh, you know, they're into the Mustangs and the mm-hmm. Corvettes and all that. Or, you know, I'm more into like the Bronco or the Jeep yeah. Wrangler. You know, that was kind of my. So I, I'm into it that way, yes. Um, but uh, my father uh, started selling cars probably when I was 12 or so, something like that. But my dad's always been a salesman of some sort, whether it was insurance, um, real estate. Um, he actually had a job for a short period of time when we lived in Florida where he was, uh, he was selling real estate, but it was kind of different because it was strictly for Cape Canaveral employees. Oh, it awesome. was in a community, uh, outside of Cape Canaveral called Oak Hill. And he was kind of an inside 
um, agent where he was helping place their employees into certain communities. I got you. Um, so he did that, but he's always been selling something. But then uh, was also oh sold mobile homes, sold RVs. Dang. So he sold everything. But yeah, he started selling the cars when I was twelve. Um, and so I used to go up there and wash the cars on the weekends. And there was just one time when he got sick and I ended up, I had literally sold my first car when I was 13. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It was a pretty funny story with a guy. Uh, we called him swampers. He was strictly out of the Everglades. Oh my God. And he came in and he got out of his truck. I never even saw him. My dad saw him. He comes to the back of the car. Mark, I'm getting sick. I can't handle, I can't talk to this guy. Go talk to him. So I go talk to him and he's looking at a 1973 Lincoln Mark seven. A land yacht. Oh, it was definitely, and it floated like a, a boat. I mean, oh, it was yeah. crazy. It had and the cafe window in it, right? Had exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the car, and um, it had a price on it. I think a fifty nine ninety five on the windshield. The guy asked me how much it is. It's fifty nine ninety five. He says, "I want to go take it for a drive." So we go take it for a drive. We come back, and he says, "I'll take it." He goes out to his truck, and he comes back with a like a two gallon uh, pickle jar. One of those really big pickle jars. Yeah. He had, and it was covered in moss. And he, like I said, he was from the Everglades. So this guy lived off the land. And he paid cash for that car. And he literally pulled it out of this jar that he told me he kept hidden under a tree out in the middle of a swamp. And the tree was marked so he knew exactly where it was at. So what he did was is he would sell gator skins and snake skins and possum tails and all this other stuff. That's how he accumulated all this money. And that's how he paid. And he always wanted a Lincoln. Actually, he told me this. He told me he saw the movie um, Gator with Burt Reynolds. Oh, my God. And he wanted that car because of that. And that's how I sold my very first car. So even worse, this is my best introduction to the car business. So my dad gives me, I got 10 bucks to wash cars on a Saturday. He gave me another $20 for selling the car. And the lot that this came from was what we call a satellite lot. So it had yeah. a main store that he would take all the deals to at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So we go over there, and I'm all excited. Sold my first car. I'm 13. In 1976, $30 was like winning the lottery to oh, a 13-year-old. Yeah. And I go running up and go, Ron, 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 guess what? I mean, I sold my first car today. And he says, really, how much did you uh, get paid? He says, my dad gave me uh, 20 bucks for the sale and $10 for washing the cars. And he just burst out into laughter. And I go, Ron, what is so funny? He says, Mark, did your dad tell you how much he made on that car? I said, no. He said, well, the commission on it was $580. And I look at my dad and I go, dad! And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was my introduction into the car business. And he said, look, you're just a 13-year-old kid. 20 is all you're getting. <laughs> so I really didn't think I wanted to sell cars. That's awesome. But I started literally the day after I graduated from high school in 1982. And that was 40 years ago. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, Hollywood can't write that. No. That, oh. <laughs> yeah, some of the stories I could tell you, but we're, we're going to be on. I, we don't have I, that much time. <laughs> I, I got you. I know, and you're a busy man. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, when I got excited when you said Cape Canaveral, because uh, yeah. for everybody under 30, that means that's back during the space race. Yes. Which was really cool, and that's one one of the things close to my heart. And uh, and so you've, you've been around, You've uh, and you said your family's from Canada. My uh, grandparents were immigrants from Canada. Uh, they moved into New Hampshire. That's where my whole family is from, is New Hampshire. I was born in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And like I said, my dad was into sales. Um, so he got out of the Army when I was 
two or three. Yeah. Um, but I was still enrolled in 18 different schools. And Dang. the first question I always get was, your dad was military. He says, yes, yep. but he got out when I was three. He was just always chasing the dream. So yep. I lived all over Florida, lived in Colorado, lived in Ohio, lived in Vegas, uh, lived in New Hampshire, went to the same school uh, as my father did. I had the same um, teacher. Um, same sister, Sister Bernice. Uh, oh. She was my teacher, and that was his teacher. And she remembered him and uh, let me know that she remembered him and wanted me to act better than my father did in school. So show, show me your stars. No. No. Oh yeah, so, I got I got my cracks of uh, on, on the knuckles with the uh, with the roller. I'm getting a Blues Brothers flashback right yeah. now. <laughs> so so yeah, you got to see the old school land yacht heavy metal turn into yeah. these. Uh, now, a lot of plastic, but you said made better and the efficiency. Yes, that's, yes. That's 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 something else. That's that's really watching an interest an industry change. My, uh, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, we saw the Lincolns and all that stuff. But my dad had a Tornado. Uh, my dad oh. had an AMC Pacer, which oh. was a fishbowl on wheels. Yeah. Then he had an International Scout. We had a Wagoneer. Yeah, we had a scout and a wagoneer. Yeah, uh, they were fantastic. Dude. Those things, the metal on those were—I you know, don't know how much they weighed, but the metal on those were just totally different. They were just—I mean, that was real steel. Oh yeah, it, it was, was beef, man. Yes, it was—it was steel. So you talk about the heavies. I also was in through the era when we started with with, with the gas prices, oh, the, the Pintos and the Vegas and and all of that. Um, so I even lived through that, which was even a more interesting era because we actually went from these big heavy cars to these little compact, yeah, liter and uh, a half, two liter cars. Yeah, yeah. If I remember right, I think <clears throat> the Vega even had an aluminum. Uh, engine block or or maybe just the heads yeah aluminum heads yeah they, they went into that which it was not long lived it was something they figured out didn't wasn't going to work yeah and post 72 it was the derating of the horsepower and all that they were getting away from the v8s mm. my first car was a uh, mustang 2 which was the four-cylinder version of the oh. mustang which got away from the cool version of the mm-hmm. mustang yeah I think I the that was the little tiny. Like, it was a little tiny one. They were four cylinders and <clears> six <throat> cylinders. They didn't even offer V8s in them. Yeah, there was a kid in high school had one. It, it uh, whoo, yeah. He goes, "It's a Mustang." I said, "It thinks it is." Yeah, it thinks it is exactly. It's not your daddy's uh, Mustang. <laughs> yeah, it looks, it's like, it looks like a Toyota almost. With, it it really did. Yeah, uh, the oldest car I ever had was a '74 Super Beetle, and I still kick wish my, you had it. Uh, yeah, big time. Yeah, it was canary yellow and. I used, you know, guys used to say, hey, you know, we're going to go over here and there's some girls. And then they're like, what do you drive? And I'm sitting there going, I drive a two-door, you know, German sport coupe. And they're like, oh, you have a Porsche? <laughs> and I'm like, well, Ferdinand Porsche designed it. And they see it like, you just had a bag. Right? You know. But uh, <laughs> but heck, that car could still be on the road. Those things did oh, yeah. last. Those were one of the few cars from those days that, that you could put hundreds of thousands of miles oh on. yeah and i'm I, I still love that sound i still and the vanigan oh yeah the, volkswagen vanigan that was a heck of a vehicle yeah the microbus or the what was the other one i remember it being called the vanigan but maybe they had different yeah, the microbus or vagabond or whatever it's called and i the thing is i always had a thing for a carmen gear oh, oh yeah oh dude a mint green carmen gear with a touring rack yeah oh be still my heart yep but uh and you've you've been through this era or different eras, different eras, and yeah. here we are now, and it's like we're on the leading edge now, and it's like what's next? Yeah, well, uh, electric cars are definitely definitely coming. Yeah. Um, the hybrids are definitely a big part of the market right now. <clears throat> I'm finding um, 
The hybrids actually are more trusted uh, by the public than the full electric cars yeah. right now. I'm sure that's going to change over time <clears throat> as far as uh, popularity, as far as, um, oh, what's the word of, you know, th they're going to make the electric car better than what they're making them now in a couple of years. I mean, it's, um, uh, they make them pretty good right now, but I think um, the technology of that, uh, as far as charging, uh, time to charge and all that's going to come along on that. Cause that's really the only deterrent that I hear is range and charging time. Yeah. But, and also like some things with heating, cause you know, with electricity comes heat and they worry about the, uh, you know, the, the battery technology is going to get better. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, uh, uh, one of the things I grew up doing was flying radio control model aircraft yep. and we were doing, uh, you know, a two stroke, uh, alcohol, base fuel and burning that and the first electric stuff we saw i mean it was almost like watching somebody load a, a sears diehard truck battery into an airplane and watch it make one circuit and then land they're like oh this is such success and i'm sitting there going that sucks it's like i can sit there and fuel my bird up and go punch a hole in the sky and be happier in the clam and now here we are umpteen years later and before my father passed he's like dude this electric stuff. I mean, I remember seeing the first brushless motors, and I watched a little tiny, you know, composite job zoom by doing over 140 miles an hour. And we were doing that with ducted fan. We called them jets doing 200 and 225. And here's this thing with a prop, small little thing, and an electric, not some racer that they take to, to nationals and go on a big pylon course and a gaggle. I mean, it just it just went by and I knew I was like dude that thing's doing 140 at least yeah. and then the batteries they pull out it's the size of my ring finger and my pinky and I'm sitting there going this is what we have in our cell phones and our you know mice and our, our uh, computers and stuff and, and and now they're going to do this with cars and I'm just I'm waiting I'm it's like Star Trek Next Generation we're, yeah. we're catching up to it you know Captain Picard had an iPad now look at us I can remember my father's first calculator. Oh, yeah. Texas Instrument. About as it big was probably as that module. about as big as that and didn't do a fourth of what my phone will do with a calculator right yeah. now. And that cost him, I can remember my old man complaining. I was going to use a different word. Um <laughs> uh, complaining about the price of that it was around three hundred dollars and this yeah. was back in like 1973 1974 that's what dad for a said calculator yeah that's what dad said yeah he goes texas instruments on the cutting edge here yeah and like uh for those of you listening at home it's uh <laughs> mark's pointing at the uh, recording module here for the uh podcast and it's about the size of a book yeah almost yeah <clears throat> a, a regular uh hardback cover book yeah and uh and I, I, and now you can get a calculator like that as a gag. Yeah. If for like ten bucks at Walgreens or CVS, you know, to make fun. I of I wouldn't people. be surprised you could buy one for a dollar at the Dollar Tree. Uh, uh, <laughs> probably. And just watching the technology change, and uh, like you said, you know, your dad was sitting there at the space program, you know, during the space race. Mm -hmm. Like I talk about my dad, he was born in 1939. He saw my dad was in 38. Yeah, and so our dad saw the vacuum tube turn into the transistor, into the integrated circuit, into the microchip. And then, you know, a couple of years for dad passed, he goes, this nanotechnology. He goes, you think it's cutting edge now? Yeah. What's going to happen in 20 years? It's going to make yeah. that look bad. So now with EVs, um, you know, uh, for the first, I think, 50 years of uh, was it, the first 50 years of aviation, it was taking machining and stuff from automotive. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the paradigm shifted where now automotive has been taking from aviation. And now of course we have, you know, Elon Musk with the space race and, mm -hmm. you know, with Tesla. 
So, you know, heads up displays, you know. Oh, self driving. Yeah, That's the, a huge thing right now. Dude. Safety protocols. Uh, that has done leaps and bounds. That has definitely um, given uh, confidence. That technology is, is very confident within the public yeah. as compared to the electric car. People feel really good about that stuff. Um, and it is just amazing technology that we've come along. They tell, and I don't remember where I re- read this, and I, so I don't have a preference point to tell you, or a reference point rather, and that is technology from 1900 to 2000. Mm-hmm is like 10 times greater than the technology from when Jesus was born mm-hmm. up to 1899. Just those 100 years is 10 times greater in technology advancement than the previous 1900 years altogether, combined. And That's crazy. And look at the leaps and bounds we made. Just uh, between 2000 and 2020, or 22. Yeah, I was uh, telling uh, Sarah, our digital director, she's been on a previous episode, about that meme that says, Right now, we are as far from 1970 as 1970 was from the end of World War One in 1918. And I just, it blew my mind. And it, you know, for me, 1970 is still 20 years ago. And then now it's, was it 52 years? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, I'm old. Dude, I feel that that's why when I when I make references to things, I go for everybody under thirty, you know, because yeah, uh, I can remember nineteen seventy, and I'm going, oh yeah, that's right, I'll be fifty nine. Yeah, and I'm I'm a people when they ask me how old are you, and I I you know I do my little Jeopardy thing, I go well, I shared the world with Elvis, and uh, I was six months old when Voyager one and two were launched, and that's that's one thing I think about when it comes to the space race. I our, was three months old when Kennedy was shot. Dude, that's wild. And Tumultuous times. I'm almost glad I don't remember the 60s. Wow. Yeah, my, I like the music. I love the music. <laughs> I know. What kind of, what kind of, what's your favorite stuff from the 60s? Oh, well, I'm a Zep head. Zep oh. and Pink Floyd. Ooh. Yeah. A, 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 the Who. I, I'm, I definitely go with all the English bands for some yeah. reason. Um, I love Oasis. That's not from the sixties, but I oh, love yeah. them. And that's I remember when they said this is like the the next version of the Beatles, and I went, those guys really need to be careful because you know what they are that big, or they were that they were. big in England. They, oh yeah, they I were Beatlesque in England, not over here in the states, but over there they were just as big. It was crazy how big they are over there. Oh, and I, I saw that documentary of theirs, and it was like watching something about Nirvana, like watching them in their infancy, mm-hmm. their in you know the garage the gear isn't great but the songwriting is great and all of a sudden because of some awesome production and some better gear bam they they sailed watch the documentary about the beatles that's on disney it's uh four parts two hours long it's long Mm -hmm. but it's the whole it's called get back oh yeah the whole genesis of them writing you can actually see them the process. Uh, the whole process of how they brought, you know, get back from mm-hmm. one stage to the final stage or Hey Jude from one stage to the final stage. Um, all these different songs. And it was just amazing to see how these guys were writing back then and how well uh, McCartney and Lennon did get along. Thank God. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Harrison was the one that was definitely feeling on the outside. He wanted to, you think about all four of them, the songs that they wrote. It was they're definitely the best, you know. I, I for me, 
and I know we're getting way off as far as the whole car thing goes, but you know, you asked me who my favorite band was. I think Zeppelin has the greatest catalog of music by far. Yeah, not well, the Beatles, but the Beatles are the most influential band of all time, and probably the four greatest songwriters that were collectively working oh, yeah. together. I'll 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 take even that. watching Ringo, mm-hmm. just listen to what Paul and John were saying, and then take it to the drums. Yeah, it was crazy. It's, it's a great, great documentary. And that, and that one uh, in interview, they go, "Hey, on come together." Instead of going from the rack tom to the floor tom, mm-hmm. you went from the floor tom to the rack tom. Like, what genius is that? And Ringo goes, "Well, I'm a left-handed and I play right-hand <laughs> drums, so it just felt natural to go from, you know, right to left." And I could imagine the um, interviewer just stunned. You know, like he thought it was going to be some, you know fantastical, you know, musical f- philosophy with the sun, the moon, the stars, like, you know, how do I write this song? You know, he gets out of sextant and, you know, looks at Saturn or something. And it's like, I just, I was left-handed, you know, and I'm sitting there going, simplicity. I love it. That's a great Ringo impersonation, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you. I have to commend my, you. <laughs> my, 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 favorite, my favorite Ringo quote is from Hard Day's Night when, when the gal goes, are you a mod or are you a rocker? He goes, I'm a mocker. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, that guy is awesome. Personally, uh, uh, there's a song out. <clears throat> it's a country song. Or it's a, one of these modern red dirt songs or whatever it is. And he goes, she likes the Beatles and I like the Stones. She likes romantic movies. I like Indiana Jones. I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I do love the Stones. I love Keefe. I love the Stones. And, uh, you know. Saw them recently. Uh, Mick Jagger at 76 years old was still running around like a 30 year old it was crazy and this and this is after charlie this was passed. just before no i oh, saw got to see him just before covid yes and oh, charlie man. was even moving slow then yeah because they all went out to the end of the stage and you know what i was oh uh, the catwalk they had the yes, catwalk yes and oh, they all awesome. walked out there and all three of them or the uh, everybody but charlie yeah. looked like they were still in i mean they can move like like a 30 year old but charlie you could definitely see he was starting to slow down Cool. Did uh, Mick? Um, he ran around for two and a half hours. Oh my God! No wonder he's in. Dude. That was just before his heart attack, yeah. which he bounced back and still went on tour. Yeah, with. I was about to say, you know, what was that? Uh, I watched that Stones documentary and I loved it when they said, "How did you get your stage persona like all this?" And he goes, "Have you ever seen Little Richard?" He's like, yeah. everybody stand up. And he goes, everybody's looking at each other. I said, stand up, and all of a sudden everybody gets up, you know, and that's. That's why I that's love where all the English bands actually they listened to Little Richard mm-hmm. and, and uh, Chuck Berry and Fats Domino. They were definitely influenced by uh, a lot of the blues artists, a lot of the the black community as yeah. far as uh, music goes. And that's where that just kind of blew up. That whole English thing just blew up, and it all went through that. They didn't even know they were black. Yeah, and I I love the fact that the Stones were supposed to play this one gig or be on TV, and they said we're not going to do it yeah. unless Howlin' Wolf opens. Or, yes. You know, and I'm sitting there, and I love that. A lot of them stood up, dude. Howlin' Wolf, you're like, oh, smokestack lightning, you know, yeah. dude. That, and and as we were talking a little bit before, and you said, well, I don't play an instrument, dude. It's never too late to learn <laughs> guitar, dude. Jimmy, I Page, tried. You can do it. You, it, it's everybody listening. It's it takes a while. But you know what? You're gonna have it's. You'll think you're you're not really. Well, I'm not really progressing, and all of a sudden, lightning strikes and something happens, and all of a sudden, hey, I did this. What else can I do? And 
And the I, other part is I have because uh, I travel for this job. I'm I'm going to San Antonio. I'm going to Houston. I'm going to Dallas. I'm going to Austin. Um, I live in Corpus, so I'm traveling mm-hmm. down here as well. Um, so a lot. Uh, the other part of it is probably just the time as well. I told you how I bounced around. I was involved yeah, in 18 been, different schools. Yeah. I signed up for drums three different times and oh, Lord. got moved before that started. Mm. I mean, there was a stretch where I was enrolled in uh, three different schools five years in a row. I was enrolled in one school for one day. Dude, and so you were born at Bragg. I was born in Fort Bragg. What, what did your dad do in the service? What was his um, He was in... Uh, he was in the army. I'm trying yeah. to remember with the infantry uh, unit he was in. Like an airborne unit? No, 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 no. <clears throat> he was there um, in the army. He was in the reserves basically, but he was being ready. To, he had to serve two years. Yeah. And he was supposed to be called up for. He was called up for the Bay of Pig, but obviously that never. Yeah. Uh, went into effect, and so then he just finished his time there, and then he got out. Uh, he was st- his base unit was out of New Jersey, and they all got moved to Fort Bragg for standby. Oh wow! Um, but I can't. Rem- I think it was the 93rd. Okay. Um, but don't hold me that. Of course, my whole – we lived in Fort Bragg a couple times after yeah. he got out too. So I do remember Fort Bragg. Um, went uh, first grade through third grade there, and then we went back for a little while when I was in the sixth grade. But um, So I did spend a lot of time around uh, Fort Bragg, in which is 82nd Airborne, Green yeah. Beret, the Rangers mm-hmm. and all that. Um, my Boy Scout, uh, Boy Scout leader was actually ex-Green Beret. That's awesome. And they awesome. took us up mountain repelling, and that was uh, pretty darn cool. We got to go on base, actually, for the beginning of that training out of the towers. So we would free fall out of the towers uh, to learn how to repel. It awesome. was pretty darn cool. Cool. So you did the tower, but you never did do the helo where you're on the skid? Didn't do it on the helo, no, free, but we did it. Um, and then he took us up in the mountains. We did it off a 175-foot cliff. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, I cried like a three-year-old the first time, but then you couldn't get me back up fast enough to do it again. Yeah. I After had, the first one, it was over. Yeah, I had a, an issue at Bullis. Uh, like, you know, I grew up in an aviation-oriented kind of, you know, upbringing with models, and but also getting some what we'll call full-scale stick time. You get me on a 10-foot ladder, I am freaking out, and I'm sweating bullets. You strap me into an airplane, I am totally, Yeah, I'm a cool cookie. I've skydived uh, tandemly, but uh, the depth perception, skydiving, is way different than bungee jumping. I did bungee jumping twice. I won't do it again because you can see the ground. It scared the heck out of me. You I hated it. You are a better man <laughs> than I. No, the skydiving, you if it's totally different. I'm telling you, it's invigorating. It's the de- definitely the most... Um, adrenaline rush i've ever had doing anything and i recommend it to anybody but and you won't be as scared you won't be as scared as you think you would be mm-hmm. and then the old adage about how you won't jump out of a perfectly good airplane mm-hmm. this one was not a perfectly good airplane oh. uh, the, the, <laughs> there was a one reason of the, yeah one of the jumpers would actually have to hold the door as we took off and then you could see all this insulation coming out all over the yeah because they strip them out so oh they yeah can, for so they can get to it, ready to climb yeah, yeah it was pretty crazy yeah, but it was a lot of fun and then the guy that i jumped with uh he's got a picture where he jumped with uh, george senior george bush senior on oh, his really? 80th birthday so Dang. if it was good enough for george it was good enough for me wow thousand points of light that's right <laughs> god oh man. I've, I've got two hours of aerobatic time i had to put a shoot on and uh the instructor goes you know in case we have to jump i was like in case you have to jump <laughs> i was like if the stick still works and i was like and i got pitch rolling y'all I'll, i'm gonna ride this thing what if it's on fire i said if this i said i'll open a window you know <laughs> it's like i ain't jumping out of this thing that's why i was a tanker in the army i ain't jumping mm-mm I ride into battle and. Mm, Did nope. you ever go to Bragg? No, I was uh, I was stationed at Fort Irwin, California. I went. I was. I trained at Fort Knox, which is now a ghost right, town. Right. And then I uh, went out west to the National Training Center. So okay. Fort Irwin is like a giant 
sandbox where we do laser tag. I mean, and we were using Vietnam air equipment, mm-hmm. some Russian equipment, and we simulated a Russian threat. I mean, you know, I, we had familiarization with the uh, you know M16, mm-hmm. and as a tanker, our main was main weapon as an individual was a sidearm a pistol mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we got out there and we're sitting there rocking ak's and stuff and i'm like yeah you know wolverines you know it was great i mean it was and that was four years after uh desert storm one and then i got out four years before 9 11 it was okay. just i did a two-year hitch yeah and I, I wanted to stay in longer but things didn't really work out and i'll say the the only thing was i got out without a plan it's like oh i came home and i didn't you know, I, I, yeah, boys and girls, make sure you have a plan. <laughs> yeah. As Sergeant Bilko used to say, a P A L N plan. And <laughs> my plan is I was going to join the Navy. I wanted to get in accounting. When I went to high school, they offered accounting in high school. So I did really? two years of accounting and I wanted to do that. And my father said, uh, No, you're going to sell cars. And literally threw a tie at me the day after I graduated from high school. And I've been in the business ever since. God. So, yeah, it, it, my plan got derailed, but uh, he steered me in the right direction. That's so cool. I, I'm thankful for that. Is he still with us? Or is my he... father is still alive. He actually lives here. Uh, my brother lives here in the McAllen area. My father is now at the Adrian Gonzalez uh, Veteran Home. Uh, he is in a nursing home, but he's... Uh... My grandfather was there. Over here on the 2nd Street, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my grandfather yeah. was there. That was. It's a super nice facility. It, it is. Uh, I commend them for yes. their work and efforts. Yes. And uh, I used to go play music there on occasion. He used to bring... Oh, that's my grandson right there. You know, you hear nightmares about some of these nursing homes. That's yeah. not one of them. That's yeah. a very, very, uh, if anyone has or has to put their folks in a nursing home, and I hope you don't, but you can feel good about that yeah. facility. If they're a veteran or a, a yes. spouse of a veteran, I'll tell you yeah. what, they are top They notch. really are. They really are. Yeah, I love it. What's your dad's name? Bob Perrin. Bob Perrin. Well, yeah. Mr. Bob Perrin, God bless you, sir. You still with us here doing your thing yes, and also is. you did a good job with your boy <laughs> did your dad ever jump out of an airplane as a civilian yeah. never did as a, a when he was in the in the military no. did, but he did he dig it um no he didn't <laughs> <laughs> oh. he heard that i did it. he told me i was plum crazy no oh, he didn't man. like it never do i would do it i am going to do it again um he won't do it again well your birthday is tomorrow my birthday is tomorrow you can do a birthday jump no i'm working oh i'll be in san antonio and uh austin Oh man! I'll have my carrot cake on Saturday night. Oh, that's a, what I do for uh, for my birthday. Yeah, I have my own little tradition, and uh, there's a restaurant at uh, the top of the Omni called uh, the Republic of Texas. Yeah, and I don't go there to eat; I just go there to have a piece of carrot cake with a cup of coffee. I'll be dang. Um I got an uncle, my mom's middle brother uh, Henry. He is a carrot cake fanatic, so yeah. much so that one of my mom's former coworkers, uh, hats off to Maggie Rakinis out there uh she uh taught home ec and and she is a heck of a cake maker and he would order some and he would they're called bakers bakers oh yeah well <laughs> i'm sorry i'm i'm going a million miles an hour but i just know her as you know like aunt maggie and and for years and she she made several of them and he would put them in the freezer yeah and he goes well, i don't know the next time i'm gonna you know order one I'm just like God. I've actually frozen a piece of uh, carrot cake um, from a wedding, and a year later, you know what? Surprisingly, mm. still very good. Oh man, I haven't. I wouldn't have thought that, but I got talked into it, and yeah, after a year, it was still a great piece of cake. Man, so hats off to that baker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Baker the maker. The, <laughs> so now, uh, 
I know we we're talking, and this is Payne Auto Talk and talking about cars, but also music is a part of it because I'm the uh, Pied Piper of Payne Auto Group. Yeah. And one thing I do here on the podcast is I'll actually uh, record a song and uh, I'll do a, like a musical tribute. And guess who gets to pick it? You do. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so think there and you're, I always tell people, they go, what's, and they ask, what's that dumb question? That's not a dumb question, but it's like, what's your favorite song? Dude, I'm, it, it's like a Wurlitzer, you know, the, records just spooling over i can't make up my mind i have personal anthems that i've always yeah. gone to but as far as favorite songs yeah that changes constantly because yeah. uh, my personal anthems i wouldn't consider my favorite songs mm-hmm. but uh, my first concert was peter frampton really yes absolutely snuck out of the house at 13 in fort oh. bragg north carolina fayette vom fayetnam fayetteville to you other people yeah but uh so uh peter frampton uh dang Life's been good to me. Yeah. No, excuse me. That's my other one. That's Joe Walsh. Well, oh, I'm that's a Joe, Joe Walsh. Walsh fan. That's yes. my. That's my other. I have two anthems. That's one of them. And uh, why is it? Uh, You're the talking title? about. Do you feel like I do? Do you feel like I do? How did that escape my mind? <clears throat> well, they both use yes. the uh, Heil Talk Box. Yes. So, yes. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to pick a song, I'll go with Cashmere. Wow. All right. Is that too long? <laughs> no, no. And I, I do it on acoustic guitar, and I'll. I it's 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 cool. I I can do that. And um, cashmere. Yeah. Don't let the sun be down upon that's my face. Right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. <laughs> that's and that, my, that's, that's my been my favorite plant. song on uh, one time to another. Eminence Friends probably been another one of my oh, favorites. Oh yeah. P, uh, Peter. Uh, t- Pete, Pete Townsend. Townsend. Cool. Is that a Who song or is that a Pete single? I. I think it's a Pete single. I think it's a single that, that they brought I, into yes, the fold. Yes, yes. But that's like the Eagles now. They've got exactly. they've got Vince Guild there, and of course uh, Joe Walsh. Yeah, Joe Walsh. Because that's a Joe Walsh and single, love, but the Eagles play it all the time. And I love Joe Walsh. Yes. Matter of fact, for you, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a twofer. Okay. Because <laughs> it's an excuse to play Joe. I love Joe Walsh. Um, I do too. Uh, From Kent State. Uh, yeah, I um when uh, I had a rock band years ago, a Boneyard. And then, of course, it became uh, martial law. <laughs> a little play on words. And um, we're sitting there, and, and when we play Joe Walsh tunes, I would quote Joe Walsh. Mm-hmm. I'd, say, I'd say, this next song is for uh, everybody. It's dedicated to everybody who's never had a song dedicated to them. What about those people, man? And I remember hearing that on a live performance, and I was going, Joe Walsh yeah. is a genius. And he was... Uh, he was interviewed like we are, you know, we're doing our the podcast here. He was on, uh, was it Howard Stern? Mm-hmm. It was hilarious. And uh, shout out to my buddy Nick Pell uh, for sharing the story with me as well. He's the one who told me about it. Joe Walsh is talking, and he goes, and Howard Stern goes, "So your your wife is Ringo's sister?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he says, "So Ringo Starr is your brother-in-law?" He goes, "Yeah." And he says, Ringo stopped doing the autographs years ago. Yeah, he doesn't sign them anymore. He goes, <laughs> but but I do. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I and my buddy Nick, we we worked in the same guitar shop. He goes, dude, wouldn't that have been awesome to get an eight by ten glossy of Ringo, but it's signed by Joe Walsh? Yeah, and, you know, it's his handwriting saying Ringo. It's like it's the it's like the perfect you know just that musical, just the flip of the script. Joe Walsh is uh, quite the character, and he is a great interview. I've heard several. But you made me think of uh, talking about uh, an interview that I saw recently, and it was of Billy Joel. Oh. And I think it might have even been on Howard Stern. Uh, 
Uh, so you might want to Google that. Um, but he was talking about the Piano Man. Oh, yeah. And how that song came along. And all those characters are real. Mm-hmm. All those characters were in a uh, piano bar that he worked at. And uh, he was talking about the bartender. And he's talking about the real estate agent that wrote a novel. And, mm-hmm. and all of those people, They were those are their real names and those are their real stories. Oh, and did. that was just something that came to him. And he never thought that song was going to be a hit. And here it is now. It's his signature song. What about Anthony's song? Mama Lee is like, Anthony works in a grocery store yeah. saving his pennies for Sunday. Yeah. I was like, Mama Leone put a note on the door said, Sonny, you move out to the country or whatever it was. It's, God. Okay, you're on a desert island. You have three albums. What three albums are they? Well, Frampton Comes Alive has to be one of them. Live I think album. that's a rock and roll starter kit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Pearl Jam's 10. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I think they're, that's their debut album, and that is an absolute uh, staple for me. Um, and I think every song on that album is absolutely incredible. Um, so I would definitely say that. And I was fixing to say Zeppelin Four, but I would say Pearl mm. Jam's 10. Uh, and I'll try and come up with something. It would have to be, gosh, I love live albums. Yeah. Uh, would it be amen. Eagles Live? Would it be... Like the live version of Seven Bridges Road, man. That was their warm-up. That right there. I've tried to get so many people that's like, hey, let's do Seven Bridges Road. And they're like, that's like five vocals. And I go, yeah, like the Beach Boys. Like, what's your problem? They're just, oh, I can't do that. It's like, of course. But so we got. I might do the White Album. I might do the Beatles White Album. Ah. Or, and this is way off, it would be actually the Sgt. Peppers, but with Frampton and Aerosmith and Billy Preston, where they covered all the songs. That's actually a really good album. Yeah, uh Tesla has an album called Real to Real, mm-hmm. and it's all covers. I mean, they covered like Robin Trower yeah. and all that. And I, I love tribute albums. I do too. There's and, a, there's a, there was an album that did you say that where everybody covered uh, Zeppelin songs, and uh, Hootie and the Blowfish did a great version of, was it the Lemon Song? I don't know. One of their versions of Zeppelin was just because it's. You know, everyone tried to copy. Yeah. Uh, when they're covering Zeppelin, they're trying to copy Zeppelin, but he didn't. He made it like a his own version, and it sounds like a Hootie song more than it does a Zeppelin song. He did cool. a great job with it. I love a, a good rearrangement, I do, man. too. God. So, Cashmere and something by Joe Walsh. We're talking, like, which Joe Walsh song? Life's been good to me so far. There's no other. Wow. Cool. See if I can do that. I His life has been great to me. I, I have a good life. I have a good family life. The car business has treated me well. And so that's why it's always been a personal anthem because just growing up as a kid, um, my parents got divorced when I was 10. And I don't know what this really came from, but, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not going to get into my childhood, but I've had an, an extremely different childhood. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of kids out there that had it worse than me. Mm-hmm. And that's what always got me through everything. So when I first heard that song by Joe Walsh, and I heard it as a Joe Walsh single probably – and I had that album when yeah. he's actually floating around in the swimming pool with the, with the mirrored sunglasses. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great album cover. But um, I was probably in the eighth grade, maybe a freshman in high school, and I heard, I heard that song, and it just clicked, and I automatically knew right then that's my personal anthem. Life's been good to me so far. Awesome. I'm going to check that out, and, and and I know when the boys in the band hear that I've done it, they're like, oh, guess what we get to add to our repertoire. I can't wait to hear it. I'm just, i got to 
talk to John, our keyboard player, and I need your thing to go bonk, 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 and he's just going to look at me like, really? My Maserati does 185. Yeah, I want to hear your version. Oh, boy, it's going to be fun. There, There is a Joe Walsh song. It's not off Barnstorm. I'm trying to remember the album. He's got a song from James Gang, and I can't, that name is escaping me right now. That's a great song. Um, it was the, the Bomber. That's one of my favorites. Uh, you know, I can hear a song and tell you the artist, but I am yeah. horrible at uh, titles of songs. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. There's uh, uh, Falling Down. That's a great song. That might Joe. be the one. It's, it's, is that with the James Gang? No, it's, it's, a, it's a single. It's a, yeah, it's but falling down is a great great song. It starts out with acoustic guitar, and it's cool. Um, I know uh, what's that one from the Warriors? Uh, oh, the movie uh, in the city. That's right. In the 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 end credits. I I love that song. And I t- I told the boys. I said if we ever get to play that, you know, we're in a bar. I'm gonna get two beer bottles and clank them and go Warriors come out to play. And I said, you know, they said, you know, nobody like young is gonna understand that how that was a cult movie before cult movies were a thing yeah. <laughs> can you dig it because it really didn't do that well at the theater but it became a cult classic later i know it's uh kind of like was it flash gordon with the queen soundtrack yeah yeah yes yeah, or um escape from new york that oh, bombed yeah. at the theater but was a huge cult classic later yeah on that's it's a dvd um add-on and of course it's on youtube but they actually showed the bank robbery how Snake Plissken? Oh, really? A, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to look that up. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you. It's, it's cool. I got to see that. Yeah, and uh, it's John Carpenter himself. Absolutely. Well, he did the, he did the music. He does the music to all of it. He did the thing uh, to the thing. Yeah. Um, Halloween. He, he, he does, does concerts. All of you know that, right? He does live shows. No, I didn't. Yeah, know they. That. It's, it's like so old school. It looks like a giant bed sheet that they hang up as, a, and he has a band. I'll and, be darned. and as they're playing, like Christine, they're showing. Yeah, Christine. There's that, another one. That I read that book when I was. Oh, that's one of my favorite. It's I told for Stephen King. That's one of my favorites. Dude, I talked about it on a previous podcast. And Pet I was, Cemetery is my favorite Stephen King book. That's but a Christine's tw- that's way twisted, up there. man. Pet Cemetery. I, man, I saw the movie and I was like, ooh. The movie didn't. I don't. When I saw that kid shoe, and I was like, "Oh, I, I can't, I can't do this." What's the one that? Because I loved the book, and I thought the movie was just as good as the one that Christopher Walken did. That's a Stephen oh, King. Oh, oh, uh, uh, the Dead Zone. The Dead Zone. Yes, and then Anthony Michael Hall. Yes, that was a great book, and it was a great movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, court, yeah. Charlie Chris- Sheen up there holding the baby in front of being <laughs> in front of the sniper. Wow. Oh my God, I gotta go watch that again. Of course, it's Christopher Walken. Yes. Oh as a good guy, yeah, as a, as <laughs> not often guy. do you see that. Yeah, was it uh, Kevin Pollock says, uh, you know, Christopher Walken's off the wall. He goes, Frankenstein never scared me. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> it's like where'd that come from? You know. And uh, now I got to go watch Deer Hunter. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he does the, when they're doing the dance at the wedding, and he walk he he runs up to the glass and just hops over it. I'm going, that's cool. That's cool. Man, this has been great. This had I, we've not really talked that much about cars. Actually, we, we, about, no, <laughs> we have, we have, and I tell you what, um, when people, and I'm good with that. I could I, talk music and movies all day, I, and that's and, and we'll go off into a rabbit hole on that. Yes. But I know you are a busy man. But I will say this: when Payne Auto Group and PayneAutoGroup.com, when we have our pre-owned vehicles, and you are the filter that uh, 
one of the filters, you and Mr. Aldrete, mm-hmm. that you are you are getting vehicles that uh, not not just people want, but also the quality. And when we get them, they're they're given the once over and everything to make sure that they're not something that you described earlier from the days of yore with loose yeah. nuts and bolts. That's one thing, because <laughs> sometimes. Uh, it's some of the stuff we get. I'm sitting there going, is this really pre-owned? And I, and I have to check the odometer. We, and that really has to be attributed more to um, our service and, and make-ready departments. Uh, because you never really know. Even buying one at an auction, we can go through it and everything else, but you don't know everything. So we do a thorough job of getting them uh, ready and making sure that they're um, safe, mm-hmm. that they're uh, already serviced, and that they are ready to be a frontline vehicle. So uh, we do put them through the whole process, and that process is well done uh, through our service and make-ready department. So really, they deserve more credit than uh, Robert and myself. Well, you guys are the sharpshooters and the headhunters out there finding the products. And so hats off to our service departments and make-ready. And also um, the people here with the boots on the ground at all, all of our dealerships, and also the people clicking the keys and moving the mice around to our digital department and, of course, uh, our call centers. Because I tell you what, you, mm-hmm. you go on painautogroup.com. It's got all of our information there. This is, man, we're from Brownsville. I always say from Brownsville to Rio Grande City, we have like something like 600 and something employees in the country. Company, yeah. Almost 700, I believe. So it's, it is quite a machine. And uh, we have the machine for y'all, folks. And Mr. Mark Perrin right here, he is one of the ones that's got your machine ready for you. And uh, it's quite an operation, and it rocks and it rolls. And speaking of rock and roll, we're going to kick that out right now. Well, Mark, we don't own the rights to this song, but Led Zeppelin sure does.
Alrighty, that about does it here at Payne Auto Talk. Today we've had Mr. Mark Perrin from Payne Pre-Owned, their inventory manager. He's the one that goes all around the country. He's been north, south, east, west, and all points in between. Shout out to his dad and the rest of the family, wherever they may be. Hope they stay healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mr. Perrin, do you have anything to say in closing, sir? It's been a lot of fun. I didn't know what to expect. Um, got to talk... Uh Trivia, music, movies, loved it. Cool. And we found out whatever, you know, it's always somebody has a certain facet on this uh, precious stone that we call Paint Auto Group. And uh, you know what, like I said in the beginning, a, a stranger is a friend you just haven't met yet. And it's been a hoot talking to you, and I hope to talk to you in the future. I hope we do. Thanks, Chris. Be safe in your travels, sir. All righty. This has been Payne Auto Talk. I am Chris Marshall of the Payne Street Team, brought to you by Payne Auto Group Valleywide and PayneAutoGroup.com, where we have what you want. Look at the regardless, and we are gone. Thank <laughs> you.